It takes more than using a tiling window manager to be a great engineer. This is Soft Skills Engineering, episode 222. I'm your host, Dave Smith. I'm your host, Jameson Dance. Soft Skills Engineering is a weekly advice podcast for software developers about the non-tech stuff, excluding how to tile all the windows. I mean, tiling came from like tiling a floor, so that's not super technical, right? It's home improvement based. It's not technical based. <laughs> it's not technology, but it is a technical skill. Yeah, that's true. Also, a popular window manager has the name Mon- has the word Monad in its name, so I have to make fun of it. Oh, and um, what's that? X Monad. Oh, I've never heard of it. Yeah, there's a window manager written in Haskell, and you can tell because oh <laughs> the name gosh. is X Monad. <laughs> oh my gosh! But it's relatively popular among people who aren't like pumped that it's written in Haskell, even. They just like huh. the window manager. Well, I, I do have to say that this is a very non-scientific statement, but some of the best engineers I know use tiling window managers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Are they the same engineers who turn their monitors vertical? I don't think so. Those are some pretty good ones too, though. <laughs> I use like the dumbed down, fancy, shiny Mac OS version, which is just like shortcuts that I can use to switch windows around to different sizes. But I feel like I want to I want to watch someone who's way into tiling window management and just look at them and figure out how backwards my workflow is. I use a series of shortcuts where I actually put my hand on this device called a mouse and I move it around <laughs> to, to reposition and resize my windows. It sounds so efficient. It's pretty good. I never have to lift my hand off the mouse. You know that mother of all demos that Doug Engelbart did in the 60s at Xerox? Yeah. It's like the one where he shows off the mouse for the first time and it was like totally revolutionary and it is kind of funny that now it's uncool to use a mouse in some circles if you're an engineer (laughs) there's like this incredible user interface invention that is now lame lame it's all about the foot pedals now (laughs) (laughs) the vim foot pedal i want to thank our wonderful patrons thank you so much to the folks who support the show at the level where we say their name or a word that they choose that will not get us in trouble out loud every week. Thank you to <laughs> Vinlock, Ragnar Hardison, Hardarson, Alexander, Microconfig.io, Nick, Travis, Evgeny Sladkowski, Dennis Bogdanov, Bogdanov, Braden Keynes, Philip John Vasile, Stephen Armin Lee, John Grant, Luke Bayless, Ryan Real McCoy, Stanley Tactical Radio, The Agile Ventures Charity, Nick Cantar, and Sean. Thank you to everyone else who has contributed. You can go to softskills.audio and click support us on Patreon. And if you do for any amount of money, we will invite you to our Slack team which is friendly and intelligent and encouraging and educational. And what's another adjective that's good? Tall. It's very tall. (laughs) That depends on whether you're flying economy class. (laughs) That's true. I'm pretty short and economy class is is very comfy. It's also comfier because I I take my shoes and socks off and just stretch my feet out onto the armrests of the chair in front of me. (laughs) It turns out you have tons of room if you do that. Yeah. Perfect. You just have to buy that seat though. <laughs> well, I have an uh, I have a hack I discovered where I don't buy the seat. I just do it. <laughs> Air travel life hacks. Yeah. Just annoy everyone around you. And sometimes the air marshals let you get away with it. Yeah. <laughs> All right, I'd like to thank Vettery for sponsoring this episode. Vettery is an online marketplace where job seekers can find employment in the development industry. Go to vettery.com slash soft skills, and you'll hear more about them later. Hey, you want to read our first question? I do. This is from a listener named Turtleneck. 
Hey guys, longtime fan of the show. Our current CTO came in as the result of a merger. For most of his life, he was a solo developer and owned his own company. The struggles we are facing now are he is not responsible, responsive. <laughs> He's not responsive at all, neither via chat nor email nor any other communication tool. He often says, I'll do it, but then takes weeks to finish. He has thousands of unread emails in his inbox. When he writes tickets, the details are unclear for others. He codes way too much for a CTO in my opinion, and his code is a bit messy compared to the other developers. Since he is a really nice person, we all want to give him feedback that makes him understand his role better and to avoid being a bottleneck. I know that changing another person is hard, but at the same time, I know that he is motivated to become a good CTO. How do I help him? Hmm. Thousands of emails in the inbox, huh? Amateur. <laughs> Are you one of those people that just leaves emails unread? No. I am a compulsive email filer and reader. Yeah, that number has to go down. Yeah. I do have friends that have tens of thousands of unread emails in their inbox, and I don't understand how they function. How? I don't know. How do you even uh, muster the strength to get out of bed in the morning when you have to confront that every day? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Maybe they're motivated by seeing that number go up every day. They're like, I wonder how high it got today. <laughs> It's like a stock price. You're like, yes, I'm rich. <laughs> Unread emails up 30% over the past quarter. <laughs> yeah, there's the there's the part that tickles my brain in unpleasant ways of just seeing that number be really large. But there's also the pragmatic part of like, sometimes email is important. And if you just never read it, doesn't that cause bad things to happen sometimes? Yeah. Although surprisingly, it doesn't cause bad things to happen a lot of times if you don't read it. Yeah, I guess. Yeah. Maybe that's the other reason why I don't like it is because it makes me feel like all this time I spend into reading email and making that number go down is a total waste where I could just do nothing and then eventually someone will yell at me and I'll be like, okay, that's one email that I should have read out of like 40,000. I'm yeah. fine with those odds. <laughs> it's good. That's like yeah. five nines. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's unlocked the secret. The thing I latched onto in, in this write-up was he takes weeks to get things done. He gets things done. <laughs> Impressive. What a go-getter. Yeah. He says, I'll do it, and he delivers. <laughs> That's great. I think a, a bad version of myself could look something like this, where I'll say yes and just ignore stuff. I'll, I'll try and juggle too many things and drop the ball. I'll hide away in the code because it's comfortable and comforting and mm -hmm. easy to make progress on. So I, I can feel the pull of this approach. This is like the... I'm an engineer who got pulled into management style of management. <laughs> yes. Can't you just leave me alone so I can do engineering stuff, even though I am a manager or an executive? Even though I happen to be running the entire engineering yeah. department of this company. Listen, just because I'm a CTO doesn't mean you can email me asking for like budget reports or something. <laughs> <laughs> I just want to code, man. Uh. Yeah. It, it sounds like he hasn't adjusted to what his job actually is and he's still... yeah trying to do the job that he wants it to be, which it is not anymore. Yeah, which is, I'm a solo business owner running a company and writing all the code and having a great time. Yeah. Leave me alone. Yeah. I mean, there, there are places where a CTO is sort of like a super individual contributor. And if they're small enough, then a CTO is kind of just like the individual contributor. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But it sounds like that's not the case. If there was a merger and there's a team that this person is responsible for it sounds like there's at least several people who depend on or interact with the cto 
and he's sort of just ignoring that. I just want to know how this decision process went down during this merger. They're like, okay, let's combine these two companies. On the one side, we have a dozen engineers or more with a leadership structure of some kind. On the other side, we have a solo code-slinging technical founder cowboy. Hmm, where should we, who should we make our CTO? Maybe, I mean, it doesn't say who it is, and I'm sure it's not this person, but, but maybe it's like the guy who wrote Redis, you know, like clearly technical expert in this very specialized field. Those people sometimes become CTOs, but like that guy likes to write code. <laughs> he doesn't like to manage teams at all. And I could see how that might happen where it's someone who, who built this thing that's core to the company or just like very, very, very super expert at something, but doesn't, doesn't enjoy all the stuff that comes attached with that once you get acquired. Maybe this CTO is actually working a second job during COVID. Maybe he's an intern at Google. <laughs> yeah, it would take a little bit longer to get stuff done if you had a second job. I wonder if he doesn't understand the effect he's having on the team, especially if he's coming from a solo developer who owned his own company. Like, Maybe he thinks he's being really productive and everybody is just bothering him and keeping him from being productive. But if you point out that, say, you're blocked waiting for a pull request review or there's some approval thing he needs to do or the team is unsure about what to proceed, how to proceed and they wait like a week for some feedback or decision from him, seeing the impact of him avoiding these uh, kind of more group-focused or communication-related responsibilities might motivate him to change. Mm-hmm. If, if he just doesn't know how bad it is for other people because of this, then telling him how bad it is for them might help. I think that might actually work in this case. I mean, the question asker says, well, I should I should say Turtleneck, which I'm sure is your real name, says the CTO wants to improve. And so, I mean, just tell him. Yeah. I think that's a great idea. Have you ever done that? Delivered critical feedback to a superior? Oh, you know, it's hard because every leader says, I want your feedback, but they don't really want your feedback. <laughs> I welcome criticism. It makes me stronger. My door is always open. So my impression is that his boss was like suspected this was a problem, but felt like it would be more effective if he heard about it from his peers instead of his boss just saying, hey, you need to fix this. Mm-hmm. Sort of the subtext I got from this. But I mean, that might be a good point. You could talk about instituting 360 reviews as a really <laughs> backwards roundabout way to doing one very specific 360 review from you to your CTO. Yeah, I mean, that's like the nuclear option, but it works, probably. <laughs> Say what you will about nuclear weapons, but they work. They, <laughs> they do what they're supposed to do. They sure blow stuff up. Yeah, boy, do they. And they leave the earth uninhabitable for generations. <laughs> much like 360 reviews <laughs> done poorly <Have> we, <laughs> those also blow uh, stuff up <laughs> yeah so I, that's one option is to kind of encourage a 360 review process of some kind for everyone and just make sure the cto is not exempt it's it's so it's the easiest thing in the world for me to say just tell him it would be hard to tell him though i'm trying to think of times well i I think, I think you could do this. Like the, the beauty of this situation is you don't have, you're not dealing with like a character deficiency. Yeah. Where you have to say like, you're not smart enough. You know, that's not what you're dealing with. Yeah. This is strictly behavioral stuff that is discretionary. So you could say things like, you're on the critical path too much and it's slowing down our team's velocity. 
and you can give examples, right? That kind of feedback is totally feels a lot safer to give than I don't like your demeanor or <laughs> you're you're not very smart. Yeah. You mentioned being on the critical path too much and I think I was kind of imagining this was someone who isn't great at communicating, but it's also very possible they just are juggling too many things because they are used yeah. to working at a lower level than they need to work right now. So they're they're just way down in the weeds and implementation details plus trying to do all this other stuff, the CTO stuff. And what they really need to do is kind of drop all the implementation detail stuff. Mm -hmm. I don't think it's in the question we read, but the original question mentioned something about waiting for a PR review and just don't like <laughs> maybe your CTO does not review code or doesn't block code reviews anyways. Maybe they right. can, they can hop in and do it if they want to, but if they don't have time to do it, then maybe instead of waiting for them to have time, you just pull them out of that process. Yeah. Yeah, and that that's actually how you could couch this feedback is not about the person, but about process changes to help the team scale and go faster. The ticket thing I feel, I'm very guilty of that sometimes where I have this understanding in my head of what we should do. So the ticket is like, do the thing in my head. And then it's like, it's like a shortcut <laughs> to remind me of the stuff I know instead of right. an explanation for someone else who doesn't have context. But now it's for someone else to work on. So I, I think I've even said something like, there's like a one word description and then it says talk to Jameson for details. That's like how I, <laughs> that's how I write the ticket to save myself from having to write it all out. The instructions are not about how to do the thing. The instructions are about how to jog Jameson's memory. Yeah. <laughs> Following three key words will make me remember. Describe this room in his memory palace to trigger it. <laughs> uh. I've done two things to solve that. One is suck it up and write it all out. Sometimes I feel like I can't do that because I'm so busy. And then the thing that kicks me out of that is like, it'll waste way more time if I put nonsense here right. and then people have to follow, follow up later. So if it's important right. enough for me to ask someone to do and I have all this context, I should write it out. Let me just comment on that real quick. Like when you ask someone to come talk to you about it, all you're doing is kicking the can down the road. You're just still gonna have to spend the time about, probably about the same amount of time as it would take to write it down. But that's a problem for later, Jameson. And I hate that guy. <laughs> <laughs> he gets the short end of the stick so often. Future Jameson is just a big loser. So the <laughs> do all I can to ruin his life. <laughs> nice. Okay, what, what was your second thing? So maybe I should not be the person that has all these problem details in my head. Like that usually means that I'm trying to own sort of solving the problem and implementing it. And another solution is just to divest myself even more from it. And mm. that way it's not dependent on me using my smart brain to figure out what to do and then writing it down and communicating it effectively. It's more on other people to figure it out and they're not as blocked by me. And then I can like swoop in and give feedback if I need to, but I'm not the one figuring out everything that we have to do explicitly. That sounds very good for future Jameson. Yeah, it does. Yeah. <laughs> I I give with one hand and take away with the other from future Jameson. <laughs> Very nice. Well, I mean, the other option here is that your CTO is actually a little bit disengaged because this is a post-merger situation and there was undoubtedly some kind of equity involved in the merger of these two companies. And given that this was the solo owner of that company, there's probably some cash or equity on the line that's got time expiration on it and your CTO might just be running down the clock. 
Yeah, that's a good point. It's a call out to folks negotiating acquisitions where you need a clause about like email answer rate and yeah. Jira ticket completion and <laughs> yes, got to really nail down those deliverables. We will only give you this equity after one year if your 360 <laughs> reviews are 4.8 out of five stars. Yeah, that's a good point. They could just be resting investing. Oh yeah, possible. It, I don't think so though. The qu- turtleneck says he is motivated to become a good CTO. Yeah, I would I would talk to him about it. That seems pretty reasonable. Well, have we answered the question? Yeah, I think so. Good luck. This one doesn't seem as terrible as, as it might have seemed on, on the surface, given what we know about this CTO. If you've been a software developer at the same job for a few years, it might be time to start looking around. Quit your job is our favorite advice, but first you should probably find a new job. Trust me, it is better this way. <laughs> Check out a service called Vettery, which matches developers with employers based on what you want, like your location, salary requirements, and technologies you want to work with. I actually signed up myself, and within a week, they sent me an opportunity that looked really good. My current approach to job seeking is tweet dumb stuff and hope the company notices me. So this sounds like an improvement, I think. (laughs) Yeah. Once you sign up, you get a consultant to help you find opportunities. I also like that Vettery lets you specify your salary requirements early rather than going through the whole interview process only to find out, wah, wah, your salary expectations were way off. That actually happened to me in an interview. Would have been nice to avoid that. You can start using Vettery without reversing a linked list on a whiteboard too. They don't have a coding test to sign up. If you are thinking about taking our advice, the soft skills engineering patented advice and quitting your job, check out Vettery. Go to vettery.com slash soft skills to sign up. That's V-E-T-T-E-R-Y dot com slash soft skills. If you use that link, you will help support the show. And if you get a job through Vettery, they will send you $300. Thank you so much to Vettery for sponsoring the show. Okay, Dave, do you want to read our next question? You bet. This one comes from an anonymous listener who says, Hi, I've only recently discovered your podcast during quarantine, and it's been really helpful at work already. So when I faced this problem, I immediately thought of you. I have been a professional software developer for just over a year and have received great feedback from my manager and team. During my performance review, I asked what I would need to qualify for promotion. I got the news that I had already been recommended for promotion. Meanwhile, a friend still in university got an entry-level job from my company that pays more than I would make if my promotion went through. Where I come from, there are no negotiations when companies recruit at universities, so it's not a matter of them negotiating a better deal. If the promotion does not come through, I have no qualms trying to negotiate. If the promotion does come through, would I come off as ungrateful if I bring this up? Am I asking for too much by wanting to be paid more at a higher position than what a new grad would be paid at entry level? I know it's not an ideal world, and I feel greedy as I type this, but I just want to be compensated for what I think I'm worth. I also think that it comes down to my ego at some point. Send help. (laughs) (laughs) Comes down to my ego at some point. Yes. Doesn't it all though? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, salary is very tied to ego and it's very hard to separate value and perception of value from pay. That's, I mean, I think most people do that. Yeah. Which is why my new salary negotiation technique is to tell people to get over themselves. (laughs) That's such an ego. You want how much money? Jeez. Let's work on having you accept the world as it is a little bit more. (laughs) That way I can pay you under market. That's right. It's in both of our best (laughs) interests. Your mental health and my wallet. Yeah, you'll be happier. I'll be richer. It's a (laughs) win-win. We both win. (laughs) Awesome. So... 
it sounds like they're currently underpaid and will keep being underpaid if they get promoted. That's my reading. Yeah, me too. And if they do get promoted, they'll maybe there'll be this glorious ceremony where someone hands you the promotion plaque and it's got a number on there and you're like, this number is too low. And then they say, but we already engraved the plaque, so <laughs> can't change it now. I, I do think there's something of like, usually when you get a promotion, that is not the opening of a new salary negotiation. Right. So I think if you wait to find out if you're promoted or not and then say, but actually I wanted more than this, I don't think it will smoothly result in you getting paid more. Although I did do that once. <laughs> 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 I had totally forgotten about this, but I did. Wait, so did I. You did. <laughs> oh no! This was a this was at a much smaller company, and yeah, same. Uh, it was at a tiny startup for me. Yeah, so I got this like change in title, and my boss told me the new salary, and I kind of just looked back at him and said, "Yeah, that's that's okay." <laughs> and he was like, "Oh, what were you expecting?" And I and I literally said these words. Well, if it had been X, I would have jumped out of my socks. And he was like, okay. And then a week later, he came into my office and said, I got you X. And I was Whoa. like, oh my gosh, I did not expect that to work. Huh. So be lucky. Yeah, I wouldn't expect that to work at most places I've ever worked. <laughs> yeah. It, yeah, I had sort of a similar experience, and I don't know why it worked there. But I can tell you... I think you would be much more likely to have success if you brought up the issue of compensation earlier and if it was part of a promotion. Yes. It's basically never too early to bring up comp. If you have a comp concern and you wait, it just gets worse. It just gets harder to fix. Yeah. I I think I would suggest bringing it up right away. If you're going to negotiate for that rate either way, whether you get the promotion or not, then I don't know that there's harm in asking or bringing it up right now. And it can be easier to do a salary adjustment as part of a promotion instead of just like a random raise out of nowhere. Yes. Yeah, because if you wait until after the promotion, you have to understand there's been a bunch of paperwork and red tape in the background leading up to that promotion, including a salary change. And now if you wait until after the promotion comes through, you're basically asking them to do all of that again. Yeah, I used to be confused by this and think it was laziness of like oh i don't want to i don't want to like submit this form again but it's not that at some places there 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 are like these gigantic complex machines that get set in motion that depend on months of meetings <laughs> yes. and committees and approvals and like it's not even that it's that much work for you to do it's that there is a lot of other downstream stuff that has to happen that right will probably not happen if if it just happened already. Yeah, like there are approvals you have to get, you know, HR might have to weigh in, various levels of leadership might have to weigh in and approve. And mm -hmm. I remember doing, when I was in management and I did salary negotiations with people and they would come back to me and ask for just a tiny bit more. I would just kind of cringe because I thought, okay, I am going to have to go back and I have to talk to my CEO, I have to go to HR, I have to fill out this form. Is it real? Like, do you really... For like a thousand bucks a year, do you really yeah. think it's worth it? Like, just you should ask yeah. for more. It, <laughs> you know, it will cost me ten thousand dollars to ask for more money. For you. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> so you better make it worth it. Yeah. So yeah, I, I I don't think your promotion has anything to do with this question at all. The fact that new hires are coming in and being paid more than you is enough to justify a raise. Because at this point, you have a year of experience, not just in general as an engineer, but also on the domain of this company, which means you are inherently more valuable. Now, the fact that you're up for promotion means that the company thinks highly of you anyway, so you're in a good negotiating position. But new hires coming in should not be making more than you if they are coming in with the same amount of experience, same educational qualifications and whatnot. So I would not feel bad at all asking for that, even though it's awkward. But the way you do it is you bring in the data point and say, I'm aware that new grads are coming in at X. I would like to be making you know, X plus 5%. Yeah. Just make it simple. And, and don't be afraid to ask for a very specific number. I think a lot of times we, we sit down with our bosses, especially you know, more junior engineers. And we're like, well, you know, I'm going to kind of beat around the bush. I'd like to make more, but I don't want to, I don't want to seem greedy. Just ask them. Like they deal, this is their stock and trade. Management deals with these numbers all the, all day long. It's what they do. So just say, look, I make X and I'd like to make X plus 5%. I like it. I'll pay you 1% to do it for me. <laughs> Commission. You sounds so certain. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think you're right. I was going to ask how you use this data point of, of your friend. And it sounds like you're saying, don't mention Hey, person X told me how much money they're making. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but just, you know, in general. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Also, if you're if you're feeling greedy, just wait till you find out how much money your boss makes. <laughs> <laughs> then you will feel even greedier. Yes. You won't you will no longer feel bad for asking for more when you realize that the ceiling is way higher than I thought. Yeah. What sound advice you've given, Dave? Have we answered the question? I think so. All right, good luck. What can people do if they would like their own questions answered? Go to softskills.audio and click on Ask a Question where you can fill out our form. Thanks so much to everyone who does it. You keep the show going. If you want to support the show, you can tweet about it. You can follow us on Twitter at softskillseng, and you can share it with your friends. Thank you very much. We'll catch you next week. 